Hello, and welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, brought to you by the William Isaac and Michael Oxley Center for Business Leadership, aka the CBL. The center focuses on values-based leadership, which embraces authenticity and inclusivity to create a holistic, integrative, practical, and relationships-based business leadership approach. Our hope is that this podcast will enrich your life with insights that will help you become a better values-based leader. I'm Lena Rutherford, and I'm your host. For this episode, I had the privilege of interviewing the Dean of the Farmer School of Business at Miami University, Mark Rubin. Mark has been the Dean for almost two years now, but he has spent over 30 years in academia as an accounting professor, chair of the accounting department, interim, and now full-time Dean. Most of his career has been at his alma mater, Miami University, where he pursued a Bachelor of Science degree in accounting as an undergraduate. He is also a CPA and he has a PhD in accounting from the University of Texas in Austin. Mark has also been a member of the American Accounting Association, aka AAA for this discussion, for over 20 years and has served as a member and chair of several committees. He has also been on the board of directors and is now the president for over 7,500 members. On a more personal side, Mark is a Miami merger and married his high school sweetheart. These are just the highlights of Mark's experience, but what really sets him apart? When I sat down with him, I was struck by his humility, his passion, his willingness to volunteer, his openness to new opportunities, his commitment to a strong work ethic, and his empathy. I feel like Mark fits really well into his current role because of his authentic leadership style and passion. Did he think he would end up here? No, of course he didn't. But his path has prepared him one step at a time for each role and challenge. Mark is a great example of authenticity and inclusivity, which are two of our values in the CBL. He talks about how he has embraced who he is in his leadership style and career path, and about his mission to align people and get them on the train through collaboration, transparency, and empathy. I hope you enjoy this episode, and if you're a Miami student, don't be afraid to talk to Mark, although you might want to call him Dean Rubin. He has an open-door policy, and you might just see him walking around Farmer handing out candy every once in a while. Without further ado, here's my interview with Mark. What has been your greatest leadership challenge? Wow. Um, leadership in university is very different than, I think, in, in other ways. There's there similarities and there are differences. Mm-hmm. One in the university, um, we have shared governance, mm-hmm. which is not typical in hardly any other organizations, mm-hmm. uh, so that's different. Uh, faculty, uh, in ways, think of themselves a bit more as an independent individual, okay. and then they are, right? Yeah, they have to teach courses, they have office hours, but the research is up to them mm-hmm. when they want to do it, what they want to do, how they want to do it. You don't go tell them you're going to do research on this topic. Mm-hmm. They find their passion and hopefully you support them in doing that. So it's a, it's a different environment. I mean, once you get tenure, you pretty much have a lifetime contract at most universities, that's a little different. So being a leader in, to me, collaboration is really key because people could just tune you out if they want to and there's not a whole lot you can mm-hmm. ultimately do about that in some ways. And there's a few little things, obviously. There's yearly compensation and whatever, but that's often not a huge carrot in many ways. It can be, but more it is is trying to get people to make sure that they are comfortable with your mission and what their role is in executing that mission, feeling that they have skin in the game, they're part of it, they have something at stake. We all 
feel like a community working toward what our mission is. Mm -hmm. That's a challenge because some people, and when you step into a role, you don't know that some people feel very passionate about what they do and other people can be disenfranchised because of maybe their history. Maybe they've been around a long time and haven't felt they were treated fairly. Mm. You step in and you don't know that and nor do you kind of understand where they're always coming from. But yet yeah. you want to try to get everybody on the same page. Is it going to happen? Are you going to get everybody on the same page? Probably not in a school this size. Yeah. But that's what you work for. And that is a that is a significant leadership challenge of trying to, you know, communicate, connect, incentivize, work mm -hmm. toward the common mission. So can you give me an example, maybe when you started as the um, department chair, how that might have looked for you? Oh, the challenges? Yeah. That was real tough, actually, because most of everybody was senior. And so when I became mm. department chair, there were a lot of faculty who had been here way longer than I had been. And some of them were professors of mine. Mm. And so here it is. Here's my, you know, their student, now the department chair. Mm -hmm. So talk about a bit of an awkward situation. Yeah. In some ways that they remember me as a kid, and now I'm back here as a faculty member, and then the department chair. So one away, right away. And then... My biggest challenge, actually, as department chair, was we had a lot of folks senior and getting ready to retire, and then we're bringing in a lot of new people. Mm. And that can be a difficult dance uh, to have because senior people think, well, I've been here a long time. I know a lot about the university. You young folks, you know, don't challenge me. You haven't been here that long. Mm. And yet, everybody should have an equal voice. Everybody has their ideas. Um, the more inclusive you are, the better the results are going to be, right? We teach that all the time. Well, that doesn't mean we're always of that mindset. You know, not everybody in your department's of that mindset. So trying to get everybody to collaborate and be inclusive could be a challenge, especially when you have this folks who are kind of toward the, you know, senior parts of their career thinking about, oh, what's, what's next for them and in their life and, and stuff, and, oh, I'm going to be here two years or three years versus people who are coming here are looking at 30 years. Mm. And that's that's a challenge to get them all to work together on the same. You know, a lot of people resist change normally, right? Well, especially as you get toward the end of your career, you're not quite the incentive to go make change as new people might be as well, too. And so trying to get everybody to realize change can be important, we have to do it, and yet not everybody has the same incentives to do it as well, too. So those are, those are some, some challenges as well as we have the challenge of a changing profession over time as well, too. Mm. The accounting profession is certainly, especially in the last 10 years or so, with technology infusing into the profession, that was another issue of how do we make sure our students are comfortable in going into a profession that has a lot of change to it as well, too. Definitely. So I want to focus real quick on how do you get people whose priorities are I've been here a long time, you're younger than me, I don't see you as someone who can be credible or tell me what to do. What kinds of tools and strategies do you use to get those people on board as much as you can? I usually do it by example. Okay. I just work hard. And I said, you know, so you see me working hard, that's, that's what I do. As a matter of fact, I remember one senior faculty member after I came to Miami, and I'm not sure if I was chair yet, he made a I moved down to Cincinnati. I used to live in Oxford, and then I moved down to Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And so this is either right before I became department chair or maybe right after. And he goes, you know, when you move down to Cincinnati, 
we thought we would see you very much anymore. Hmm. This is kind of, I go, that's because you don't know me because I absorbed the cost of commuting. I didn't expect my job to absorb that cost. Hmm. So I was here as much or more than virtually anybody else in my office doing what I could do. Hmm. Um, when I teach, I put a lot of effort into my teaching to try to make sure my teaching is, is good and, and rewarding and you know, the students are getting a lot out of it as well too. And so, uh, whether I'm doing research or I'm doing service, I try to do the best I can and work hard at all those things. And hopefully people just use that as, you know, he's doing it. So I have nothing to complain about in a sense. And I understand where his reward structure is. So hopefully that translates. I, I, I was never good at mandating anything, mm -hmm. especially in, a, in, a, in an academic atmosphere. It's very difficult to do that in many ways. So you try to do it by collaboration and, and trying to get everybody also, this is important to do for all of us. It's not important for me to do. Mm -hmm. It's not important for you to do. It's important for we to do all those things. And that's probably you know where you try to get everybody on the same page. Does it mm -hmm. work all the time? No. Do you get 100% of everybody? No. But if you get the vast majority of people, then you're in a better situation. Yeah. And I would guess that all of that work ethic that you demonstrated sort of created credibility for you. You hope so. I mean, uh, only they could say whether that worked or not, but um, they didn't throw me out. So <laughs> I survived for the 14 years as department chair, so, you know, hopefully that, that's part of what, what it was. Um, mm -hmm. But I was always very inclusive. As a department chair, I try to communicate everything. I don't. I didn't have an agenda for me. Matter of fact, one time it came up in a departmental meeting, and I was describing something going on at the university. And someone challenged me that that was, I, I wasn't being accurate. Hmm. And I looked at them. I go, what? I have no incentive not to tell you what this university policy was all about. Why? Why would I even do that kind of stuff? They just didn't like what it was. Hmm. But they and they thought. You must be misleading us. I no reason to mislead you. Hmm. So I, I never try to have my own agenda and force that on anybody. Certainly, I have my ideas, I have my vision, and hopefully that's a shared vision. Mm -hmm. But I would never say I've got the right answers. You all have the wrong answers. That just doesn't work yeah. to me. Yeah. I mean, that's just a wrong match. Then if I, I think A and everybody else is thinking B, and I'm going to sure that A gets done, then you're probably not in the right. Because everybody, you're, you're just not going to get everybody on board then. It just doesn't work. So transparency, good communications, trying to have that shared vision, that's going to work. You know, even though there's always going to be a few who just don't, don't get on. Matter of fact, when I took the chair's job, I remember at that time, the senior associate dean said, well, let's say that you're, you're the chair and that, you know, you want everybody to get on the train. But the train's ready to leave the station and there are a few people not on it. What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. The answer is the train's got to leave the station. Hmm. And, you know, some may get left behind and maybe they'll catch up by peer pressure. Maybe they won't. What has happened in your career with people who didn't get on the train? That can be real difficult. <laughs> it can be. And I can think of a couple of cases that happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, in some ways, you just got to move on. You know, they may complain a lot. They can actually make your life a little uncomfortable hmm. uh, in, in the way they deal with that. But you just move on. I mean, I can think of very one very specific instance that that really did occur. And, what happened? Uh, uh, we were doing some kind of a strategic planning type of thing, and this person just wasn't 
on board with that mm-hmm. and uh, try to disrupt it and really try to get undermine it in some ways. And as opposed to getting into any kind of verbal jousting, which a lot of people would do, mm. um, I just kind of ignore it and just as long as everybody else is following and comfortable with where we're going, you know, you don't want to pr- participate, you don't have to participate, but the rest of us are moving on. Mm. It's just really what we do. I try to avoid the, the confrontational part. You have to confront some cases, don't get me wrong, but getting into just name calling and yelling at everybody or whatever, I have not found that effective. Yeah. When it's happened to me, being the recipient of that, I find that totally isolating and usually works exactly the opposite of what that person intended. Hmm. You yell at me and, and try to degrade me in any way, I'm just going to go the other way. I'll yeah. just ignore you and don't don't ask me to do anything anymore. Yeah. So you're isolating someone. Why would you do that? So, But yet some people, they're just not going to get on board. Will they isolate themselves? Yeah, they hmm. can. And in this job, it's not that hard to do that. Because mm. you teach, you know, you do whatever else, and you can say, leave me alone. In a lot of ways, there's not much you could do about that mm. other than trying to bring the person back in the fold. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So it sounds like the nature of academia is very siloed and very individual-focused. It, it can be. It can be. You know, that's what the whole idea is, trying to get everybody with the same vision. But you're right. Each individual is looking toward their... I suppose at any job, it's not unique to academia that everybody looks inward and says, how do I progress? What's what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Hopefully, what's in it for them is also what's good for the whole organization. Yeah. And that's what you try to get. You're trying to move get, everything forward together. Centers. Exactly. But are they going to be somewhat capsulized, I guess, and looking, you know, here I am and where's where am I, uh, what's my role mm-hmm. in the organization? Yeah, that is very individual in some ways. But almost any organization. Where I thought you were going to go is more siloed is we sometimes have times hard times collaborating. When mm-hmm. I got up to this job and look at a whole business school, that's where sometimes the silos come in by department mm-hmm. or by a program, mm-hmm. and it's sometimes hard to get that collaboration you need. That's even a, that's another challenge, but more for this job than it was when I was department chair. Definitely, definitely. So you've talked a lot about how collaboration is big for you. Communication and transparency are important and being inclusive of people, mm-hmm. not necessarily confrontational, but just making sure that people's needs are met and as many people who can get on board, get on board. Mm-hmm. How, would that be an accurate description of your leadership style? How do you define it? You know, uh, when I heard you were gonna do this and, and I saw a few of the topics, I don't know that I've ever personally defined my leadership style. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would agree what you just said is what I'm very comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, I try to show empathy, I try to be mindful, before the term mindfulness came around, <laughs> that I, I really do try to project myself into the role of others. Mm-hmm. Um, may, I, maybe to a fault, but mm-hmm. I often try to say, well, you know, do unto others. In some ways, I've, I've always followed that. I, if I wouldn't want to be treated that way, why would I treat you that way, mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And we're all equal. I don't care if you're, you know, whatever your job is in here, we're all a community, we all have our roles to make this a better place. Whether you're a staff member, whether you're a a faculty member, whether you're a student, whether you're an alumni, whether you're a recruiter, whatever it is, we all have roles to make this, to fulfill our mission, to make this the very best business educational experience that we can 
for our students, for our faculty, and so on. It used to be up on my uh, whiteboard when I was department chair. I had two things up there. Make sure the students have their best educational experience they can have and develop the faculty. Hmm. That's my goal. Wow. All right? And you can deviate from that because you can get all kinds of distractions. And I would always look at that going, man, I know i got to put up with a lot sometimes. And I, I will bite my lip because that's what I'm here to do. I'm not here to make person so-and-so happy. I'm here to make sure our students have the greatest educational experience and our faculty develop and accomplish what they want in their career. Mm -hmm. Can I make everybody happy? Almost by definition, the answer to that is no, mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So it's really focusing on what you want to accomplish and keep moving, moving that way, kind of stuff. So being, and, and, and you know, when I was a faculty, what did I like? Well, that's how I want to treat it. And, and like I said, everybody has a role. Everybody's an equal in many ways, kind of stuff. Uh, like communication, transcript, all very important. Listening. Uh, when somebody wants to come in here and, and talk, almost to a fault sometimes, I'll let them go. And sometimes Carol has to go, we got a couple minutes. <laughs> I'll let them, and I could talk. I mean, I know I'm a talker too, mm -hmm. which is very unusual for me. I was an introvert as a kid, mm. so I was not a talker at all. Interesting. But when I became an academic, that kind of came out more in me as, as well. But uh, I, when a student wants to, I never tell a student they can't come in. You know, this job is a little harder to schedule them all, but I always had open door. I have open door here. I had open door as a department chair. You always can come in and don't ever hesitate. You know, it's not like I'm anything special that you can't come in. It's you know, time you gotta figure it out. But other than that, I'm no really. I, I don't consider myself. I don't really consider myself a management. You know, I don't. You know, like in a hierarchical, I mm -hmm. think of myself as a facilitator. Hmm. I want to bring the very best out in you. I want to bring the very best out in my faculty and staff so they are doing what they want to do that's toward the mission of what we're trying to do as a farmer school and as toward Miami University. Does that come from being a professor and having to draw that out of students? Probably. Probably more so, you know, than and maybe others. But, yeah, you know, uh, I still remember students. And, and, for example, some faculty use the Socratic method, right? Mm -hmm. They go in and they can ask you questions and sometimes make you feel uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but it can be a great learning experience, especially if a faculty member does it right. Mm -hmm. I cannot do that. <laughs> and the reason I can't do that is because I never wanted it done to me. Mm. I was always prepared, you know, 99% of the time I was prepared for class. And I could answer questions, but I don't like to be picked on, mm. okay? I'm glad to raise my hand and answer a question, but don't pick on me. Mm -hmm. That's why I cannot pick on a student. <laughs> I just didn't feel comfortable, so I can't make that student in my class other people, that's fine. And maybe they didn't mind even getting picked on if, if the, you know, in whatever their circumstances were prior. But I still remember, you know, being in it, and that just isn't me. And I got to be me. Yeah. You know, everybody has their own leadership style. Everybody has their own kind of, and some leaders, you know, military leaders, it's, you know, very direct and, you know, here's the com command and you follow the command. Doesn't work for me. You know, mm -hmm. it might work for other people and they may get the, the, the great productivity out of it. You got to be what you're comfortable with, what your personality is, what you can do. And I am what I am, however I grew up, however my parents and my institutions that I belong to, uh, both good experiences and bad experiences, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I didn't like the experience in, in whatever situation was, I'm not going to now turn that on and, and make someone else into that experience. So you can, you know, mm -hmm. think about it, you know, your experiences and go, yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't like when that occurred, whether it was in college or school or a club or a sport or 
or a chorus or whatever it was, you know, uh, what, whenever you had that experience that you didn't like, it's real hard to not go and make someone else have that experience, mm-hmm. at least in my mind. Um, Has it been something you've self-reflected on as you've increased your leadership? Yeah, definitely. I definitely think about that sometimes, about, you know, I really didn't like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing how many things that you your life experiences that you remember even as a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, as 50 years ago, in my case, or, or more. I can remember stuff in grade school that I didn't like. You know, that could be almost 60 years ago. You don't forget those things. They mold you. They make you. As uncomfortable as some of those memories might be, they are you. And you'll remember those, and those shape you and mold you in in many ways. Mm -hmm. So I can still remember stuff from virtually kindergarten. Not a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But I do, you know. And I suppose, you know, everybody does to some degree. And sometimes I do reflect on that, you know, whatever that experience was, how that might have molded me. Great. Well, thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, feel free to edit away. Thanks for listening. I hope you gleaned some leadership insights from our conversation and are inspired to be an authentic, inclusive leader like Mark. Once again, this is the Business Leadership Podcast, and it's brought to you by the William Isaac and Michael Oxley Center for Business Leadership. The CBL is an undergraduate leadership program housed in the Farmer School of Business at Miami University in Ohio. The CBL provides a leadership experience that transforms the educational and experiential leadership development of top farmer school students. We hope to create generations of authentic leaders focused on producing lasting value for the global business community. For more information, visit our website at miamioh.edu slash FSB slash centers slash CBL. I hope you have a great day. Thank you.